0: If you have a Bible, go ahead and turn with me to Matthew 4, verse 1, and we'll pick up there in a moment. Uh, We are currently in a series on simplicity, which is a spiritual discipline that we are called to embrace and practice as followers of Jesus. And this morning, I want to talk about the role of fasting in simplicity, Uh, And fasting itself is another one of the spiritual practices or spiritual disciplines from the life of Jesus. Uh, But before we dive in, I want to talk briefly about what the spiritual disciplines are. Uh, John Mark Comer, in his book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, uh, makes the point that Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the four gospel accounts, are stories they are firsthand biographies of Jesus, eyewitness accounts of his life. And the reason that any of us would read a biography is to become more like that person. Or in some cases, to make sure you don't become like that person. So just think for a second, um, why would you read a biography about uh, Mother Teresa or Abraham Lincoln or Hitler? Uh, Well, it's because something about those people uh, fascinate us, and we would uh, read a biography uh, because we were compelled to know how they lived, what made them who they were. Uh, And if I want to be more like Abraham Lincoln, then I would read his biography and probably take note of his lifestyle. Oh, this is what he did. This is how he lived, um, and maybe I should do that too. And John Mark in his book makes the point that very few Christians approach the gospel accounts that way. Uh, Here we are reading a biography of Jesus, the greatest person who ever lived. Uh, And we claim to be his followers, his disciples, his apprentices, and yet we typically don't approach the gospel accounts with a mind to adopt his uh, habits, his lifestyle, his practices. Uh, And hence, this series on uh, practicing simplicity, that's one of the practices from the life of Jesus that we want to grow in. Fasting is another. There are many of them. But notice that these things uh, are not ends in themselves. Uh, The end goal of secular minimalism might be less stress or less clutter or more financial freedom or uh, more sanity, etc. The end goal of biblical minimalism is discipleship, Uh, it it is to be with Jesus, uh, to become like Jesus and ultimately to do what Jesus would do if he were you. And so a minimalism or essentialism or simplicity or whatever you want to call it is not an end in itself, it is a means to an end. Our goal is to be with Jesus and become more like him. Simplicity is a means toward that end. Fasting is a means toward that end. Are you with me? They are means of opening up our minds and our bodies uh, to a power far beyond our own. A spiritual discipline is any activity I can do by direct effort that will eventually enable me to do that which currently I cannot do by direct effort. And the listed example uh, in this section of the book was uh, bench pressing your own weight. He says, uh, let's imagine that you want to bench bench press your own weight. And you can't today, but that's not because it's impossible. It's just because you need practice to get there. You need to do something that's within your grasp that will then enable you, empower you to grow in a way uh, that you can do something that was beyond your grasp. So you work out, that's what's within your power, and over time you, you, in a sense, gain access to more power, you're able to do something you couldn't do before. Uh, now, the glaring difference between uh, working out and spiritual disciplines is that we are gaining access to divine power. We are opening up avenues for the grace and spirit and power of God to flow more freely through our lives. Uh, How can I actually become more like Jesus over time? Well, we need access to divine power. We need the Holy Spirit at work in our hearts to do and accomplish that. Uh, That's why we're chasing simplicity. Uh, And that's why I want to talk about fasting this morning. They all occur in the context of discipleship to Jesus, and they are a means of accessing more of the Spirit's power, of allowing God to more deeply and effectively uh, shape our lives before Him. And and one of the the classic examples of this uh, is Matthew 4, verse 1. Uh, If you have your Bibles open, we'll pick up there at the start of the chapter. It says this. It says, Then Jesus, after being baptized, was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Now, I find these two verses fascinating for multiple reasons. But notice the role of fasting in the temptation of Jesus. Uh, I always assumed that the fasting was to make Jesus weak. Uh, I've I've come to a place of believing that in this context, the fasting is to make Jesus strong. If he's going to go head to head with Satan, he wants to be at his strongest Not at his weakest. Where is he at his strongest? In silence and solitude, filled with the Spirit of God, after fasting for 40 days. If you look historically uh, at the spiritual practices or spiritual disciplines, uh, what you'll notice is that there are two practices from the life of Jesus which were central through much of church history, but which have almost vanished from the church in the modern Western world. And they are simplicity and fasting interesting uh, that both of these have to do with physical material stuff and and in fact our consumption uh, of of physical material stuff. How do we relate to the material world? How do we relate to the accumulation and consumption of material stuff? The Western world, as you know, is highly materialistic Uh, Which means, on the one hand, that we almost worship material stuff. It is our life. It is the means of security. It is our source of joy and pleasure, or at least we think it will be. Uh, And and so there's this sort of gut-level reaction of, why would I limit those things? Why would I deny myself those things? I live in a culture that celebrates consuming as much of that as I can. Uh, and, and yet we see uh, within kind of our uh, lens, our spirituality, uh, we, we, we tend to sort of divorce it from material stuff. So we say my physical body or the number of possessions that I own, the number of things uh, in, in my home or dorm or apartment, that doesn't have anything to do with my spirituality. That doesn't have anything to do with my relationship to Jesus. We, we have this idea that you can date back at least to Plato that sort of says the, the spiritual is immaterial and it's really good. Uh, the, the physical material stuff is not spiritual. So, so we, we've inherited that. That's made its way into the church. We've divorced them in our minds. We don't easily see the connection. What does my physical body have to do with Jesus? What, does, what do the things I own or consume have to do with Jesus? We, we don't usually see the connection, which is sad. But in either case, we need to recalibrate our relationship to the material world. Our goal is to come into this beautiful place where Jesus lived, where um, he had money. Uh, he had nice clothes that I'm sure he enjoyed. He enjoyed good meals, like really good meals, on a regular basis with all kinds of different people. I mean, he, he enjoyed things in the material world. He engaged with them, but he didn't worship them. He, he was in right relationship with consumable material stuff. He lived with a carefree, unconcern for, for possessions. He, he wasn't consumed by the lust for more. How uh, do you come into this full freedom that we have in Christ? How do we come into that sweet place where Jesus lived? How do we relate rightly to the material world uh, to live there with him? Well, both simplicity and fasting are means for us to get there. They are tools available to us. Uh, Just think for a moment about the struggle of simplicity in the modern Western world. Uh, We are told thousands of times a day uh, that we are incomplete and that the solution is to consume. It's to consume something. You are incomplete. You will be more complete if you consume this thing, this product, this service, whatever it is. And of course, on some level, to be alive is to consume. We, we need clothes, at least to go out in public, right? Like, we, we need food in order, in order to stay alive. Jesus talked about those things. He talked about clothing. He talked about food. So, so we have to consume on some level uh, to be alive. But the problem is that modern consumerism promises to make us whole through consumption, It promises uh, that life is, in fact, found in an abundance of possessions. It teaches us, trains us, uh, moment by moment, year by year, uh, to be consumers who find their identity in the things that they consume. Who are defined by what they consume, who cannot stop consuming. We are trained to believe uh, what I own, what I consume, is my identity. Or said another way, I shop, therefore I am. But notice how fasting cuts the other direction. Fasting, or going without food for a set period of time, is actually designed uh, to break us out of patterns of mindless consumption to sober us up in a sense uh, and to turn our appetites hunger desire attention back to God himself uh, to recenter ourselves and to reverse uh, some of the inward focus and thinking we go from constantly even subconsciously thinking about what can i consume next and how good will it make me feel, to then turning and centering ourselves on God, uh, coming face-to-face with the reality that we don't need nearly as much as we think we do. That in fact, perhaps, we are already whole in Christ. Fasting breaks patterns of consumption. It undermines what the scriptures call uh, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. It shifts our focus from what we can get to what we can give. It shifts our attention from physical stuff around us to God himself. And it opens our lives up to more and more of the power of God in our lives. Because when it comes to a practice like simplicity, which is the focus of our series, willpower will only get you so far. You can start on this journey, you can start doing things, but you'll only get so far. You might get off to a good start, but sooner or later, you will hit a wall or even revert back to right where you were before. In my minimalism journey, uh, there have been some awesome, almost easy moments of of rearranging my life, my priorities, letting go of excess uh, stuff that was distracting me from life with God, not enhancing it. But the further you go on this journey the more you will expose your flesh. And you don't really know how how present the flesh is or how deep uh, the propaganda goes until you attempt to challenge it, until you call it out, until you bring it into the light, until you intrude on its territory. And it's the weirdest thing because as I've minimized my possessions over the course of the last year, it has exposed my flesh. Eventually the flesh, which is, is often hiding in the shadows, it, it lashes out. It, it comes back with vengeance. Occasionally it will scream against what it is that you're trying to do in following after Jesus. And the more layers you peel back, the deeper you go on your journey, uh, the harder the flesh pushes back, and, and the more savagely it lashes out. And I can remember distinct times over the last year uh, when this has happened to me. Uh, we were a two-car family, and as part of our minimalism process, uh, the Lord really started to lay on my heart, you don't need that. You have two cars, you don't need two cars. It's just, that's just a needless distraction for you. It's not for everyone, but this is for our journey. That was part of it. So I knew God was calling us to this. It took me a while to kind of like work and pray up to it, and like, Lord, are you sure yes, I'm sure, Oh shoot, okay, I guess I have to like keep going with this journey, maybe I'll pray that again tomorrow and just triple check, um, and and just walking that out with Jesus, and eventually it happened. I sold my car, I got rid of it, and instantly two things happened. Uh, the first is that I felt this rush of like peace and joy and contentment, not only in uh, being obedient to what I sensed Jesus was calling me to do, but also in like, whoa, we have, that's one less thing I have to take care of, and less you know, maintenance and less car payments and whatever else. So there's that release on that side. Uh, And the second thing I instantly felt uh, was the desire to buy a new car. (laughs) Like almost back to back. And I was like, we're called to be a one car family, but if we're only going to have one car, like, shouldn't that car be awesome? (laughs) Like, shouldn't it be our dream car? I mean, when, when I close my eyes and think about the dream car for our family, like, the 2005 Toyota minivan is not, like, the first thing that, like, rushes to the forefront of my mind. So, so like, we're minimizing. Don't, don't we deserve this? Like, can't we? Can, and all of a sudden, I'm, like, online, like, looking for people. Like, who's selling, like, an SUV? And I'm, like, what? Like, what am I doing? Uh, and, and that pattern has repeated itself, sadly over and over again. Uh, I shared last week or the week before about uh, my clothes and how over the course of the last year, I've gotten rid of uh, 80 to 90% of my clothes, and it's been awesome. Not always easy, but like so awesome, so joy-filled, so uh, rewarding. And yet, uh, especially toward the end, as I started to pare down more and more and more and kind of ask, Jesus, do, do I need this? Um, is this adding value to my life, and, and started to get down to what I truly needed, uh, there were these moments where all of a sudden I had this overwhelming sensation to shop and buy new clothes. And I hate shopping. Like, I hate it. And yet I still had this desire of, like, I'm only, if I'm only going to have 40 items of clothing, shouldn't they be items that I love? Like, as I give away, shouldn't I just, I want to buy, I want to consume, and all of a sudden, something in me, like, rises up in rebellion. Even though on the one side, like, I have all of this joy, I know it's the right thing to do, and yet there's these, these other set of desires. The flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit. The Spirit desires what is contrary to the flesh. We have these things at war uh, within us. And and. How, so the, the question is, then, how, how do we uh, break that stronghold uh, that is our never-ending lust for more? That, that little voice that comes along and whispers and says, You need more. More is better. More is more. Come on. You, you, can, you can afford it. Why wouldn't you do this? You know it's going to feel great. Think of the rush. How do we we move past that? How do we break that? Fasting is one of the tools at our disposal. It is a means of bringing our desires into the light. Uh, it, It sort of exposes and humiliates our flesh, and it has the power to break our lust for more. Notice that in the wilderness, uh, Jesus fasts for 40 days as a means of breaking out of those patterns of consuming and lusting for more, becoming totally reliant on God, realizing that in God, he has enough and he is enough. And and he comes into this place using fasting as a tool, and, and he does it just in time, uh, because Satan's going to come along and tempt him to consume. And if you know the story, the first temptation is is for bread. Hey, you're hungry. Eat this. Consume something. But, But the ultimate temptation, the last temptation, is all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. Think about that for a second. Can you imagine that in your mind's eye? All the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. That is everything that you and I have ever fantasized about owning or consuming, and a whole lot more. Every every pleasure, all the wealth, all the stuff, all the power, all the fame. All of it, every pleasure, every consumable good, it it is all there for the taking. This is the ultimate consumer temptation that he poses to Jesus. And Jesus turns it down. In the power of the Spirit, with the help of fasting, he denied himself food for a time, but it brought him into this place. It did something internally. It freed him from those patterns of consumption, from that lust for more. And we can do the same. We we deny ourselves food for a time, but in the process, it begins to call out and reverse our patterns of consumption. Uh, Because without realizing it, We are walking around day after day, and our subconscious is saying, consume, consume, consume. You're a consumer. That's your identity. That's who you are. That's where you find security. That's where you find pleasure. You're a consumer. Keep consuming. Consume more. Consume better. That's just the running tape in our mind, fed and inflamed by 4,000 advertisements a day on average. Fasting calls that into the light. It it makes room for the deeper heart stuff to take place. And and we need, on our minimalism journey, for the deeper heart stuff to take place. Simplicity is an inward reality that is expressed as an outward lifestyle. But we have to allow God to work on the heart And fasting is a powerful tool on that journey. It sobers us up. It hits the brakes temporarily on our consumption. It opens us up to more and more of the transforming power of the Spirit. It brings us into this place of realizing that our primary identity is not as a consumer. It is not in what we consume. That our greatest treasure is God and that in Him, we have everything that we need. It is perfectly possible to embrace simplicity in the outward sense without allowing God to do the inner work of the heart. Secular minimalists do this all the time. You can reduce the number of things you own down to a hundred items and 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 have a trendy minimalist apartment and and still be completely self-focused and self-reliant and lost. I personally think that as you go on this minimalism journey, as you reduce your outward possessions, I think it triggers the inward journey. that's what it did in my life. As I did that, I was forced to confront things in myself. Why am I holding this? Where is my security? Who am I trusting for tomorrow? But, but it doesn't have to trigger that inward journey. It is technically possible uh, to only make outward changes and not inward ones. But, but the goal is simplicity of heart. The goal is inner transformation. Uh, the, the goal is a life rooted in the joy and abundance of God. To live as Jesus lived. And, and that heart will then manifest itself in, in outwardly in a lifestyle. But we need both. We, we need inward change and we need outward change. Think of the Pharisees. They ticked all the right outward boxes. They were tithing 10% of the spices from their garden. Have you ever tried to do that? Like separate out little grains of cumin to like give to the poor? That, that's extreme. And they, they were doing all the right outward things and Jesus came along and he said, you're jerks. <laughs> like, you, you've missed it. You, you've missed the plot line. You are hypocrites. You are play-acting. You are projecting something. The outside is right, but the inside is wrong. You don't clean the outside of a bowl and leave the inside dirty. No, no, no. You clean the inside of a bowl. And, And from there, the outside will be clean as well. And because simplicity is the most outward and visible Of all of the spiritual practices, it is most at risk of abuse. It is most at risk of Pharisaicalism, Phariseeism. So, here's the challenge for the week ahead. As part of your minimalism journey, the challenge is to choose a day and fast. And I'm a terrible faster. Uh, I really am. Many of you are much better at this than I am. But what I'll typically do is choose a day, uh, say a Wednesday, and I'll eat dinner on Tuesday night, already knowing that I won't eat again until dinner on Wednesday night. And as I wake up in the morning on Wednesday and go about my day, uh, I'm, I'm taking my hunger, my desire, my attention, my awareness. And, and I'm channeling them toward God. Uh, I'm allowing God to sustain me uh, throughout the day. I'm remembering what I have in him. I'm growing in my awareness of his presence. And so what's happening outwardly is, say, 23 hours without food. But what's happening inwardly is, is I'm coming to rest in God, to rely on Him, to, to draw my sustenance from Him, to, to retrain or reverse the patterns that are happening in my mind. I remember, I realize I am not here to consume, I, I'm here to give. I, I'm here to participate in the inbreaking kingdom of God. Uh, and, and in fact, I have everything I need. In him, I, I already have it. I already have enough. I have more than I need. Lord, what do you want me to do with all of this excess? Who needs it? What, how can I participate in your kingdom today? And as I feel a desire in my stomach, I, I, I channel that desire toward God. And in the process, I experience more and more of God and His presence, and, and I begin to identify with the poor, with the 25,000 people who will starve to death today, I, I, my, my empathy, my awareness goes outward. My lust for the material is slowly broken. Uh, strongholds, begin to break and crack and crumble. I begin to loosen my grip on the things of this world, and in the process, I become a better lover of God and others. Let's pray. Jesus, we turn... our our hearts, our minds, our appetites, our awareness toward you in this moment. And we recognize as scripture lays out so beautifully, I think of just the book of Romans alone, just the the way it lays out that you you have multiple desires and our flesh is going to desire what is contrary to the spirit. And the Spirit's going to desire what is contrary to the flesh, and, and our flesh is being uh, inflamed, engrossed, manipulated by thousands of advertisements a day. Uh, and and we, we need to feed the other side. We, we, we need to see our flesh um, broken. And, and even in Romans, it says you don't, you, you, you don't just set the flesh off to the side. You don't put it on the back burner. You don't attempt to suppress you actually put the flesh to death. That's that's what we do with the, the fleshly desires that rise up in us, with the strongholds that form in our hearts. We we put them to death in the power of the spirit. And so that's ultimately what we want, Lord. That's, that's the end. That's the goal for us to walk in the freedom of Christ, to grow in, in Christ's likeness, to experience more and more of the inbreaking kingdom of heaven, which is the only place we're going to be satisfied, which is the only place we're going to experience true joy. Lord, would you lead us there? And would you remind us that, that you're the end? You're what we want. If simplicity gets us there, fantastic. If fasting has a role to play, fantastic. But you're the one that we want. So would you come, Lord, even now, and just begin whispering to us about freedom. You say, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. And we look out on the world that says, find freedom here, find freedom here, find freedom here. And in the end, it's all slavery. Lord, would you come gently but powerfully and whisper to us about where true freedom is found. We, we want to walk in the freedom that you experienced, Jesus, where we can, we can enjoy a good meal and, and, and well-made clothes and, and even a good home. And yet we have a carefree unconcern for possessions. And if it all got stripped away, Lord, we would still have fullness in you. Would you come now and and speak to us, Lord? Would you begin breaking, identifying, calling out, and even begin breaking the strongholds in our lives? Uh, the, the, The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. Lord, we don't want it. We we, we don't want that stuff. What we want is freedom. So would you come now and would you speak to us about what it means to be free? We're listening, Lord. Our hearts are on you. Our eyes are on you. Our lives are yours. Come and have your way. In Jesus' name, Amen. I'll just share one thought um, before we head to worship. Uh, Saturdays are our, our Sabbath days as a family, and I get this like sacred three-hour block that I can do in anything in in, in the world with. I'm just free to just go and and be with the Lord and do whatever and. I often will go ride my bike in, in Riverside State Park and I ride up to this high point uh, that's, that's way over Bowling Pitcher and it kind of looks out. You can see all of downtown, kind of the neighborhoods and shadow and everything north just, just spreading out across. Uh, and I often just take time and, and pray there. Just take a moment and just take a deep breath and say, Lord, oh, just take this city, like just, just be king in this place. Would your spirit, would your power just roll through here? And, and I just found myself praying, Lord, with all that's going on in our world, would it, would it just bring people who had no desire to seek you, would they just fall to their knees, just desiring you, wanting more of you? And, and I just sensed the Lord whispered to me in that moment. And he said, do you expect them to be more surrendered than you are? Wow Yeah, that's a good point, Lord Our heart breaks for the, for the lost in this city We dream incredible dreams Of what God can do in this place But do I expect them To be more surrendered than me If I want them to be down on their knees Giving everything, hungering for Him Where, where am I on that spectrum? So we'll just, I just encourage you to have that heart posture of, of just surrender, and just desiring him. I think that's a, that's a pretty good place to start. So you can stand if you want to, you can sit, you can kneel, you can close your eyes, you can journal, you can pray, you can sing, do whatever you want, um, but we're going to worship together.